0: Hello friends, it's your old pal Ariel Hawani back with another edition of DC in Helwani. A lot to get to after 262 this weekend, new champ at 155, his name is Charles DuBronx Olivera, Tony Ferguson's lost to Benil Darius, that, and a whole lot more. But of course, before we get to all that, a quick word on a podcast you should check out if you're a fan of the National Basketball Association, as I am, it is called... The Low Post Podcast hosted by Zach Lowe. NBA Playoffs. They are here. Playing tournament, then playoffs. Knicks, fourth seed. Woo-wee. Going up against the Hawks. I can't wait. Who would have thought? Home court advantage. Fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Anyway, for Knicks talk and a whole lot more, download and follow the Low Post wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a reminder that The Ultimate Fighter is back this year. Big time stuff. They're back in June, June 1st to be exact. You can stream the season premiere exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now on ESPNplus.com. All right, on to today's show. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone. DC and Helwani. Listen,
1: I would hate a Helwani barbecue because it, y'all probably y'all probably eating that bread that tastes like it got the pickles in it. You know the bread that has like the pickle taste to it? Y'all probably eating that. Here's Daniel
0: Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this Monday, May 17, 2021. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new edition of DC and Helwani. That's DC, Daniel Cormier. I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani. DC, it's take two for us. Last week, few technical difficulties. Hopefully, this time around, we're back in business. You know, I got to be honest, man.
1: I watched the show on television. Look fantastic, but you're right. We had. When you restart something, you know, it takes a little time to get everything in order, but we are hoping that we can present a much better product today.
0: We appreciate everyone sticking with us. And, of course, we have a lot to talk about on today's program coming up. UFC 262, it was lit. L-I-T in H-Town in Houston, Texas. D.C. was there (laughs) front and center. I was not. We got a lot to discuss pertaining to the lightweight division. We got a lot to discuss pertaining to this weekend and a ton going on in the world of MMA, but, of course, D.C. I would be remiss if I didn't wish you a happy tax day. Did you fill out your taxes, DC? Not April 15th. It got changed to May 17th. You all up to speed? Yes. Yes. We're good. We're good to go. Okay. Uh, By the way, happy, happy National Pack Rat Day. Are you familiar with Pack Rat? You know what Pack Rat means? Pack Rat Day?
1: No, I have no idea. You know what's crazy about this? You know what's crazy about this? I (laughs) I did an appearance in Houston the other day, and I promise you, I had so many people walk up to me with different holidays. It was crazy. And they have, hey, Ariel, they have it on par, too. They're like, hey, D.C., I know I don't have much time, but I would be remiss if I didn't wish you a happy receptionist day and they had five or six different <laughs> holidays stored away ready for me when they met me. It was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it's a thing now you and these weird holidays is a real thing.
0: Well, I'm sure no one wished you a happy national cherry cobbler day a cherry cobbler on a, on a warm summer day fantastic <laughs> with a little ice cream a la modi right you i mean you've partaken in a few Wait, cherry cobblers in your you day right
1: that. you don't say a la modi you don't say a la modi you say a la mode.
0: what do you <laughs> i know i did that for you that was a shout out to little miss sunshine no, you, you ever see that movie where she asked for a la modi yes a la, mode. A la mode, you see a la mode. Do you just Okay, I got two other ones for
1: you. You uh, just don't know. <laughs> uh,
0: today, of course, is uh, National Idaho Day, National Walnut Day. Unfortunately, it's not May 18th, D.C., because May 18th is a very special day in this household. It's National No Dirty Dishes Day. But more importantly, it's also <laughs> National Cheese Soufflé Day. You like a good cheese soufflé, don't you, D.C.? I <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't know what that is i don't know what that is what is it
0: you know what is a cheese souffle souffle, when you the melted cheese and you like you'll dip things in it like you'll dip like bread even some fruit cheese souffle come on one day i've never had cheese souffle souffle. (laughs) i've never had cheese souffle that's
1: fun oh actually okay well guess what that's fondue that's fondue. That's not souffle. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's cheese oh, you're fondue. Right, you're right. What is cheese fondue? Cheese fondue is when you yes. did. Wow. <laughs> wow. Sometimes souffle, when you're trying then? to be too smart for your own good, when you're trying to be too smart for your own good, you end up looking like Ariel Hawani right now. Look directly into the camera. Wow. Nothing makes me happier than when you are wrong. And right now, you try to pass some fancy stuff off on old DC, and you don't even know what you're talking about. That makes me happy. Makes me very happy right now. Well, well,
0: I'm glad you're happy, DC. Say I got to tell say you, it, say it, the say weather.
1: It, say it. No, say it. What? Say it. Say it. Say DC. I was wrong. I was really wrong.
0: I'm not quite sure if I was wrong. Say to it. be honest with you, uh, I just want to do no, you a quick were wrong. check here. Say what it, is a say cheese- it? Okay, you're right. Okay, okay. I was wrong. Cheese souffle. It's a kind of pie. My mistake. <laughs> Mia culpa. It's getting hot in here, D.C., because it's mid-May. The weather is heating up. The Knicks are the fourth seed in the playoffs. My shirt is open, oh. D.C., and we got to talk about Charles Oliveira. Happy. We got to talk about what happened on <laughs> Saturday in Houston, all right? <laughs> There's a new lightweight champion hey, of the UFC. His name is I was, saying, I was trying, not, was trying Oliveira. not
1: to. I was trying not to mention your shirt because I know you get self-conscious at times, but this is the evil Ariel, you know, like evil Ariel, like takes down the top button. He's showing all that chest hair. I can only imagine that if your shirt was off, you must have like an abundance of chest hair. You look like a very hairy
0: person in real life, like just terribly hairy. Be honest. No, Uh, believe it or not. Not a lot of chest hair. A lot of hair on my head, neck, not so much chest. Can we talk about 262 before they kick us out of here? 262, Charles Olivera is the new lightweight champion of the UFC. DC, what a fight that was. Holy smokes, that first round. I mean, the first round was almost symbolic of Charles Oliveira's career. This guy started off... 10 8 and 1 no contest in the UFC. DC, I don't know if you know this. This man debuted in 2010. He debuted on a network that is no longer in existence. Can you believe that? Versus network. I heard you say that on the broadcast. That was a great point by you. Well done. That was a really great point. And then of course he wins. He beats Michael Chandler. What a crazy fight, right?
1: It was insane because Charles Oliveira, we've seen him grow through the UFC. Now here's the thing, Ariel. That first round showed how far he has come. Because in those situations, generally, he does not do well. Generally, when things go sideways, he just lets them continue to go in the direction that they're going. On Saturday, he was able to correct it, right? He was able to withstand the storm and build his way back. And I just think that that fight was so it was such an example of what mixed martial arts is because Henry Hoof could not be happier in the corner of Michael Chandler to 19 seconds later, they're wrapping the belt around the other guy. It was, it was, it was crazy and shows why MMA is the best sport in the world. And it shows that Du Bronx is truly not the same guy that he was before.
0: Okay, two follow-up questions. What went wrong for Chandler? I mean, it looked like he was literally seconds away from winning that fight. How did he not get it done? Why did he not get it done?
1: You know, I think Michael Chandler should have allowed Charles Oliveira to stand up in the first round because he had Oliveira backing up. He had Oliveira retreating. And by getting on top of a jiu-jitsu guy, an expert like Oliveira, he can really limit the damage. So even though it may seem as though you're building on the lead that you have, you really are kind of playing this game, allowing him to just rest and recover. He let Oliveira get back to the stool. And in the corner of Oliveira, the message had to be, don't back up anymore. You've got to take the center. You cannot retreat from this guy because that is where he's landing these big shots. I think if he would have let him get up to his feet before Charles was ever able to get back to the corner and digest the message from his coaches, he might have knocked him out in the first round. But after he got back to his coaches, they were able to kind of get him to to calm down. You saw Olivera go right to the center in the second round uh, and just engage Chandler in the fist, and he landed that beautiful left hook. Um, I think it was just a matter of him getting excited and also just not allowing him back up when I feel like he should have.
0: Michael Chandler did a lot of good in that first round. I mean, also, in addition to almost finishing Oliveira, I mean, he, he, was, he was locked into that rear naked choke. It looked like it was about to be lights out for him midway through that first round. And he got out of it with his incredible strength and power. I mean, the whole thing was just frenetic. It was amazing to watch. It was amazing to see from beginning to end. The second round was just a crazy, crazy finish. And so, DC, <laughs> let me also ask you, how does this happen? How does a guy who starts his UFC career 10-and-A with one no contest turn into this. He's now wants nine in a row. He now has the most finishes in UFC history. He now has still the most subs in UFC history. I mean, this is an unbelievable run for a guy who looked like he couldn't figure out what weight class he should be in, a guy who couldn't figure out, you know, is he 155, 145? When he's 145, he's missing weight. When he's 155, he's losing fights that it looks like he should have won. He lost to Paul Felder in 2017. He's now won every single fight since then. How does this happen? Because this doesn't happen in boxing. Like, you start a career, you go on a run of 10, 8, and 1, you don't turn it around. You don't end up like this. Why does this happen in MMA, and how did this happen to Charles Oliveira?
1: Because MMA is the best sport in the world, right? You never give up on yourself. I think we saw that with Jan Bohovich, right, the fights that he has lost and become the champion in the way that he is now today. And we've seen it with Charles Oliveira. Um, I feel like he's just matured, man. Not only matured physically, And as an athlete, he's matured as a human being because, dude, I'm telling you, the knock on Charles Oliveira was that he could be spectacular, but he also could be a bit of a a quitter, uh, for lack of a better word. If you pressured him, if you beat on him, you could get him to question himself and just kind of give up. Charles Oliveira today does not give up on himself in any situation. But Charles Oliveira has also developed his stand-up to the point that he can not only grapple with the best fighters in the world, he can stand and strike with the best fighters in the world. I mean, he is so technically proficient. He is so good with everything that he does that there is no weakness anymore. Um, The left hook was picture perfect, Ariel. I mean, I've not seen a left hook thrown so beautifully in mixed martial arts in a really long time. Because when he threw it, there was no load up. When he threw it, it went right to the target. His right hand was exactly where it needed to be at the chin. So when Chandler was throwing his left hook, he would have landed, but landed up against the hand or the fist of of, of Charles Oliveira. Whereas Chandler's hands were a little low, so Oliveira's got to the spot and dropped him. And um, I just think that he does so many things the right way now that it's hard to find a way to beat Du Bronx. And it's going to be very difficult to get the belt off of him. I was very impressed with Charles Oliveira, Um, just a fantastic fighter. And like you said, that was a win for Chandler in the first round, getting out of those submission attempts, because not many people do. But ultimately, the night belonged to Charles Oliveira, and what a celebration, the emotion. You can see that for all that he had done, that was the crowning achievement. And if there was any doubt left in his mind, that just shows that, He's a tough out, man. Be hard to beat this guy.
0: Yeah, and I'd also be remiss if I don't mention that he made history in this regard. 28th UFC fight. He breaks. Michael Besping's record for most fights needed to win Undisputed Gold 26 it was for Michael back at UFC 199 against Luke Rockholt. this is 28th fight an unbelievable achievement if you're newer to MMA you're looking at this guy and you're saying yeah of course he's great like what's the big deal no 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 if you were watching him 5-6 years ago losing some of those fights no one thought that he would turn into this no one thought he'd be able to put it all together like this and it wouldn't be a big Charles Oliveira fight if he doesn't talk about going back down to 145 afterwards this guy is fixing <laughs> Why? On the idea of Why? 145. I'm like, yo, man, you're the best. What are you doing? Stop with the 145. You couldn't make the weight at 145. Why are you so fixated on this idea of fighting 145? What did he say when he was like staring at Joe Rogan and jumped over the cage? Could you could you make out what he was saying to you guys? He was yelling, "Surprise! Surprise! Surprise! Surprise!"
1: Because <laughs> you remember Michael Chandler said that when he won. There's a new uh, contender in the lightweight division. That's what he was saying. Surprise, surprise. And he's like shaking Joe's hand. And it's almost like we have no horse in the race. Right. But when you see a guy break through like that, we're like slapping him on his back, like almost like engaging in the celebration. When in reality, like I didn't like that Michael Chandler lost. I didn't really care that Charles Oliveira won. But when you watch someone break through, when you know what the kid's been through, you kind of, like, feel good for him. And, and he was just over the moon, man. He had blood on Dana. There was blood on our notes. Charles Oliveira, man, he's a sweetheart of a man, and, and uh, now he's a UFC champion. And Brazil is back, right? Brazil's back. Brazil's got three champions now. You know, mm-hmm. they got him, they got Davison, and Amanda. For a long time, it seemed as though Brazil was the home of mixed martial arts, and now they're back at the forefront.
0: I'm really happy that you mentioned those two things because, yes, it did seem like there was this narrative not that long ago that Brazilian MMA was on the the, the downswing, that it was only Amanda, that the male Brazilian fighters, uh, you know, weren't doing their part that you know the the days of anderson and junior dos santos and all these guys like those days are over and there was fresh fresh blood now all of a sudden you have a flyweight champion you have a lightweight champion oh by the way maybe the deepest weight class in the ufc and you have amanda still doing her thing but you also mentioned something about charles that is worth repeating he is a sweetheart this guy Nicknamed DuBronx because of the favela that he comes from, still lives in the favela, goes out Christmas, posted some things, went out and gave everyone presents after his win over Tony Ferguson. This man is not someone who has talked a lot about the money fight, talked a lot about, you know, Red Panty Night and all this stuff. He seems like a really grounded and centered person he seems like the kind of person that is very true to his roots that's not going to change now that he's a UFC champion and what I love so much about this particular story isn't necessarily that you know he overcame that slow start 10-8-1 the mishaps on the scale the four you know missed weights and all that stuff it's that this man stuck to his guns, DC. There was a time a couple months ago where they tried to get him to fight Michael Chandler in a non-title fight on very short notice, and he said, no, I'm waiting for a title fight. And then there was word that maybe he was in the doghouse, and look how everything turned out. Poirier goes and takes the Connor fight, Khabib retires, he gets his shot, He stuck to his guns, he got the belt, and now he could call himself the best in the world, and that emotion afterwards was beautiful. It was just a really great moment for people who have been watching this man for the past decade plus. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And you know, man, there was a time where you and I discussed on the show maybe he was going to be the odd man out, right? Because of the approach he was taking, it looked like Charles was going to be the guy on the outs. I myself called for Justin Gaethje to fight for the belt. Now I understand why because now you had a guy that never lost to Habib as the champion, right? You got a guy, a fresh guy as the champion because now it leaves questions, right? Whether or not people believe that Charles could beat Habib, you never got to see it. So now there's a question as to whether or not this new champion, how he would have fared against the old champion. So I get why Gatesy wasn't in there. But the reality is, Charles Oliveira, proud Brazilian, loves where he's from, takes care of the people that have supported him from day one, and now is the champion of the world. Look, man, not many people are willing to bet on themselves. Charles Oliveira bet on himself, and ultimately, it worked out so many times in so many instances. You do that and it goes in the opposite direction and you, you have questions as to why. What now? It worked out for Du Bronx and it could not have worked out for a better
0: person. Yeah, it was shades of Jose Aldo when he uh, jumped into the crowd and was celebrating with his people. Olivera got to do the same. The emotions afterwards was great. And, and uh, you know, hard not to feel for Michael Chandler. Uh, important to note, this man has been mm-hmm. here before. He has stumbled before. You know, this is a guy who lost uh, to Will Brooks seven years ago twice. He lost to Brent Primus. Madison Square Garden was knocked out by Patricia. But what do you want to say, DC? I'm trying to set up the scene for Michael Chandler here, and you're getting all crazy. What do you want to say? Yeah, No,
1: because you mentioned one thing. You said 10-8 in round one. Mm-hmm. I, how can we, we have to discuss this, right? We have to discuss okay. that 10-8 in round one because Michael Chandler won that round. But when Charles Oliveira gets you down, takes your back, does good things in the in the round, how in the world are you scoring that 10-8 as a judge? Because the reality is judges are so afraid and they really don't want to give a 10-7 round. But if that is a 10-8 round, what is worse What do you have to do in order to go 10-7? Because if you recall, when Glover Teixeira beat Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira busted his tooth out of his mouth, that was a 10-8 round. How in the world can you judge these two rounds the same whenever one was an absolute beating and the other was a competitive round? I believe that in judging. When you take the responsibility, and I know they wanted to relax the ways that people are scoring 10-8s, When you take the responsibility, you have to be very careful because they were about to mess up that fight. Had that gone five rounds, you would have had Charles Oliveira down two rounds after a very competitive round. You are taking responsibility for people's livelihoods and their careers. You have to watch carefully, watch closely, and truly understand what you're watching. It's crazy that they scored that 10-8.
0: Yeah, you know, a 10-7 is a unicorn. I think off the top of my head, one of the Maynard fights with Frankie Edgar, there was a 10-7 in there, but I have no problem with the 10-8. That was given by two of the judges, not all three for that first round. I lean towards 10-9 because, you know, Oliveira did have his moments there on the ground. But, yeah, it's 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 way more subjective than it is in boxing. In boxing, you get a knockdown, it's 10-8 right away. You get another one, it's 10-7. Like it's it's a lot more subjective in our sport because knockdowns can be more common and there's the damage on the ground and all that stuff. So it's, uh, it's a confusing thing. But guess what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter at all because Charles Oliveira won fair and square but, in but, the second round. But it's like
1: it didn't. But it's like we're getting issues in the judging, right? Look, man. I love Caitlin Chukagian. She's a sweetheart. I thought she lost the fight. I don't understand how you get mounted mm-hmm. in round two and have a moment afterwards and win the round. I don't know how they're valuing ground control anymore because Arujo not only got the takedown, got to the mount, she threatened submission. There are so many reasons as to why she should have won that round and, and, and ultimately won the fight. I don't get the way that judging is happening right now and, I mean, I think it's a real problem, and we have to find a way to address this. I know we've been saying this for a long time, but we were saved by the Oliveira uh, finish because, bro, they were about to mess mm-hmm. that fight up, and you don't want that when you're fighting for championships.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, over in one championship, they, they score the fight on the whole. There was a controversial fight on uh, Saturday morning between uh, Ritu Fogat and uh, Bin Nguyen. Um, that's a different way of looking at it. Uh, you can do it the pride way. You can do it the way we do in America. We don't have time to get into all of that because we could spend the whole hour on judging. But it's 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 a worthy point, and I'm glad that you brought it up. But could we talk about Chandler because he said within the next 12 months, uh, you know, I'll be back. I'll I'll, I'll be b- back here. I'll be the champ I'll be fighting for the belt. I think the division is so deep that you're going to have to win at least two fights to be considered, you know, a contender again. And by the way, you mentioned the guy who I'd like to see him fight next. Let's do Gaethje versus Chandler. Gaethje seems ready to go. Obviously Chandler is going to need some time, but that to me feels like the fight that should happen next. What do you think?
1: 12 months is way too soon. I I just think that Michael Chandler hasn't really um, been there for a while here in the UFC to understand that it's going to take some time, especially with what's on the books, right? When you got Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier fighting and Dustin Poirier, who a lot of people consider the best lightweight in the world, He wins that fight. He's going to fight Charles Oliveira. Um, Conor McGregor wins that fight. He will probably fight Charles Oliveira. So there's just like a lot of people that can lay claim to that title shot. And I think Chandler's got some work to do. Um, Justin Gaethje can also lay claim to a title fight, um, being that he was the interim champion before losing to Habib. Um, It's going to take him some time. Um, I'm not sure exactly how long it'll be, but it will not be within 12 months. Justin Gaethje doesn't fight for the belt, then it should be Chandler Gaethje because that is probably his shortest course to get back to a championship fight.
0: Well, we'll talk about the title picture in a matter of moments. I don't know if Justin Gaethje is fighting for the belt next. I would be surprised if he fights for the belt next. Crazier things have happened. But I do want to say about Michael Chandler, the emotion that he showed afterwards, especially in the post-fight press conference, you could see the pain in this man's heart. And it felt like he was on a locomotive, like it was all coming together for him. And he can get, I mean, just look at Oliveira and his slip ups and look at Chandler's career. He has slipped up before and has come back stronger. But it was hard not to feel for Michael Chandler in that moment because this man put every like he bet on himself, right? He bet on himself to go to the UFC and to get this opportunity and everything was falling for him. The backup title fight in October, the hooker fight, co-main event of a Conor card, everything falling in place for him to fight for the vacant title. It w- it felt like a storybook ending at the end of the first, but unfortunately this isn't pro wrestling. You can't script the finishes in MMA and so I look forward to seeing how he's able to come back. Now, we'll talk about Ferguson and Dariusha in a second, as we stick with this lightweight title picture discussion, of course, what happened on Saturday in Houston. But first, D.C., all right, let's and go support back to the them and now. support them
1: because they support us. And boy, yesterday I, I'm driving home from the airport. My boy, Helwani, goes, D.C.,
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: I'm having a modelo. And he goes, honestly, it's crisp. It, it, it hits my lips real nice. And he was at a backyard barbecue where, for some reason that I cannot explain, they're doing hot dogs. In freaking pastrami. Listen, who does pastrami at a backyard barbecue? Where's the chicken? Where's the rib? I mean, no ribs, but where's the chicken? Where's that? Where's the beef? Like, what do you <laughs> guys barbecue pastrami? How do you even barbecue? How do you even barbecue pastrami? Like, how do you do that? Like, what kind of... Wait, I would hate... Have you never, honestly, had, man, have you I would never hate had a hot I would pastrami had, before? Are you I, crazy? I, hey... I've had hot pastrami, but not on a barbecue grill. Listen, I would hate a Helwani barbecue because it, y'all probably y'all probably eating that bread that tastes like you got the pickles in it. You know the bread that has like the pickle taste to it? Y'all probably eating that. What is that pickle? What is that bread called? Rye dill bread? bread? Is it dill? Rye bread?
0: Are you eating rye, dill
1: rye. rye bread with that pastrami?
0: Maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I would actually like I would ask you if you got if I went to a hellwani barbecue and y'all brought me a pastrami sandwich on rye bread I would slap it on the ground and just really truly disrespect you because you gotta have some barbecue chicken you gotta have some some, some, some ribs you gotta have some pork steaks you gotta have some hamburgers what are you guys doing and so are, so Oliver Oliver and them are eating pastrami now they're eating pastrami at the barbecue
0: yeah I mean god dang dude this is weird, man. I, I don't understand. Well, one I don't Do you see one day when we're allowed to be in the same state, hopefully we can enjoy a Cormier-style barbecue and a Helwani-style oh. barbecue. Until that time comes, you, you, let us get back on track here.
1: <laughs> you have a Cormier-style barbecue. You'll never want to have a Helwani-style barbecue again in your <sighs> life. Never. <laughs>
0: All right, facts, facts, as the kids say, facts. All right, now, facts, Benil Dariush, facts. Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson has to be the story here. I don't want to take anything away from Benil. Seven in a row, it was a great performance. He did not get, you know, he did not deserve to get booed. That was crazy. But that's now three in a row for El Kukui, and this game can be a cruel one. And he got, I mean, the fact that he didn't submit, he didn't tap out to that that ankle lock, that heel hook, that was that was insane. Where does Tony go from here, D.C.? What do you do with Tony Ferguson now? First off, massive congratulations to Benil Daryush. I mean,
1: he said that's what he was going to do. And Coach Cardero, man, they are doing a fantastic job at King's MMA with Marvin fighting for the belt, Benil on a seven-fight win streak. Um, It was fantastic to watch him implement the game plan that he intended to implement. But Tony Ferguson has to be the story because, as you saw all week, Ariel, He's the the guy that was the star of this pay-per-view. From the weigh-ins to the the, the pops that they got at the beginning of the show to the walkouts. People know and love Tony Ferguson. But Tony Ferguson as a top-level mixed martial artist is is done, I believe. Um, And make no mistake about it, he's not losing to scrubs. He's fighting the best of the best. But those are fights that Tony Ferguson used to win. I saw a crazy stat. It was mentioned to Dana White on the post-fight press conference. Tony has now landed 34 strikes in the last 34 minutes that he's been inside the octagon. That's almost a strike a minute. He is not only losing, but he is getting dominated. He has now lost 11 rounds in a row and has not looked competitive. So I think Tony needs to take a step back. And um, the level of competition obviously needs to drop. And then we need to see uh, where he goes. I I think it's a lot of confusion because the price tag is high for a guy like Tony Ferguson. Um, I I don't know what happens. But all of our great champions, man, it's, it's sad. But it's a tale as old as time. A lot of our great champions go out
0: like this. They lose in fights that we never would have expected them to lose in the past. If you get old in the NBA, you're kind of sitting at the end of the bench and you kind of just like phase out. You you ride off into the sunset. Same with other sports. But there is nowhere to hide in this organization. And so that's why it feels like almost every week now we're seeing. And oh, by the way, we saw with Jacare on the same card. We're seeing these guys, you know, face this harsh reality that father time is uh you know is undefeated and it doesn't play favorites and you could be an OG of the game, you could be a legend of the game, you can have a great story like Tony's, you can have Heartbreak and all this stuff. It doesn't matter, it doesn't pick and choose, it doesn't discriminate. And so it's hard to see these things happen. While you're happy for Benil, who's putting it all together, it's hard to see Tony in the state. And if I'm being honest, you see it's a little reminiscent, this particular story is a little reminiscent of Tyron Woodley, right? Where you feel like he can't get out of a certain gear where he's not pulling the trigger like he once did and he just doesn't look like himself anymore. And so I agree with you. Like, you know what, Anthony Smith, we talked about this. You know, he went, he took a several steps back and I don't want to pick on a Devin Clark, but it's like, all right, you took some steps back. You fought an unranked guy, a top 25 guy to build your confidence back up. I'm not ready to say that Tony Ferguson is done, should be released, should be, you know, cut, should retire, all this stuff. But, you know, he's been fighting a murderer's row. It's now time for him to fight an unranked guy. You know, Dominic Cruz did it well. He fought Casey Kenney, unranked, super tough, got the win Got the mojo back. Tony Ferguson needs to do that to find out if he still got it to a certain degree. Yeah, Tony needs a guy that's a little bit back in terms
1: of the rankings. But the problem is he's fighting at lightweight, where the guys that are even back in the rankings are absolute savages. I mean, think, Islam Makashev just busted into the top 10. He's just number 10 now. So when you start getting back around number 15, who's number 15? Guys like Drew Dober, who's an absolute savage? I mean... It's going to take a big step back, but those guys that are the step back are looking at Tony Ferguson and going, that is my stepping stone into the rankings. So it's a tough situation. And talking to Tony all last week, he's much more aware of everything. He gave up a lot of the control of his training to new coaches and old coaches. He's doing the right things. It's just a matter of him finding a way to reinvent himself to a degree in order to find some success because it's not like he's just losing. He's not having much success at all in there. Like, from even landing punches, I don't know how many times he hit Banil Daryush. I mean, he hit him off his back with his elbows, but I don't know if he even landed a strike on the feet. It just looked like the entire time Banil had him uncomfortable. He was pursuing him until he could eventually get to him and throw him down to the ground, and he just dominated the grappling.
0: What about that heel hook, though? I mean, how does he not tap from that? That's absurd. That
1: just shows you how tough he is, right? We've seen him twice now with the armbar from Oliveira and with that heel hook from Benil Darius where most athletes would tap. But Tony Ferguson, hey, champions don't lose their heart. They don't lose their desire to fight. They just lose the ability to do the things that made them so great in the past. And I think right now, that's what we're seeing with El Kikui. He still is a fighter at heart. He wants to win. He's willing to compete and not give up on himself. He's just having a difficult time finding his mojo. He's having a difficult time implementing the things in the fight that he's doing in the training room when before he was so free. But Dean Thomas made a great point on the broadcast the other day. He said a lot of great champions, when they're younger, they get by with being awkward. They get by with the athleticism and the ability when the details, when... The 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 right technique with the with the with the basics are the things that are going to allow you to compete older. Well, we always watch Tony be unorthodox, right? We never really saw that many of the basics on display when he was fighting. It was always unorthodox. Now, as he ages, he needs to rely on things that he didn't have or didn't have to use when he was younger. So um all you young guys now that are extremely athletic, get those basics, get those fundamentals. Because those fundamentals are going to allow you to compete as you age in this sport. Because if you don't have them, it's 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 bad, you know. And like I said about LeBron, LeBron and those guys can compete so old because they're so good. They have all the base fundamentals of the game. If they if LeBron just got by on athleticism, he wouldn't be able to play at the level that he's playing today.
0: What's Benil's ceiling, in your opinion? You know, deepest deepest division in the UFC. How far can he go? You know, this is a guy who was knocked out by Alexander Hernandez, fought to a draw against Evan Dunham, knocked out by and Barbosa, submitted by Michael Kissa, lost to Ramsey Nijim early in his UFC career. Now on a roll seven in a row. I believe that's tied for the second longest currently in the division. How good can he be? How far can he go?
1: I think he can go to the top, man. You know, listen, I have faith in everybody now after watching Charles Oliveira. Because all those guys that Benil lost to prior, he's not that same person anymore. His his belief in himself, his abilities have allowed for him to build this winning streak. And I believe that he's going to just continue to get better. He told me something in the fighter meeting that stuck with me. He goes, the reason I'm so comfortable now is because I just realized that I was built for this. I was born to fight. He goes, so when everybody's trying to convince me to do other things from my family to my friends, He goes, I was always most comfortable when I was fighting, even as a kid. He goes, when I let go of that, all that anxiety, all the nerves that comes with competing are not as strong anymore. They don't tug at me in the way that they do. He said, I'm built for this. I'm built to fight. And that's why I'm doing so well. And when you got that mentality and you got the skills to back it, your ceiling is as high as you want it to be. And I believe that Benil's belief in himself, his faith, his commitment to everything will allow for him to chase that top of the division. And now he'll find his way into about the top five or six with a big fight on the Mm -hmm. horizon.
0: Yes, although he did say uh, his wife is giving birth next month. She's patiently waiting for her Tesla, and he's probably not going to come back until either the end of this (laughs) year or early next year. So... You can kind of remove him at least for, you know, the next few months as this division continues to evolve. Now, this is the picture right here. It's a very easy situation, DC. There's a new king. His name is Charles Oliveira. There's a massive fight going down on July 10th between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. By the way, mazel tov to Conor and and D. They announced this morning that their third baby boy, well, their third baby, who happens to be a boy's second boy, uh, was was born earlier today. So hope everyone is doing well and healthy. Um... They're fighting on July 10th. If Dustin wins that fight, it's Dustin versus Charles. No questions asked. And quite honestly, if Conor wins that fight, it's Conor versus Charles for the belt. That has to be the number one contender fight. Dana White didn't really, you know, put a stamp on that at the post fight press conference. But you agree, correct? That's the number one contender fight right there, yes? It seems as though it would be, right? Like, there are just certain
1: things that happen for a certain reason. If Dustin Poirier wins, that's easy, right? He deserves it. He lost to Habib, and since he lost to Habib, he's beaten Conor. He beat uh, Dan Hooker. He's he's won. He would have won three in a row as the guy that seems to be the uncrowned champion in this weight class. Before put him in the title fight. Conor McGregor. The rules are different for Conor McGregor. Now, if he beats Dustin Poirier, Conor will only be two and two in his last four fights. But what does it matter, right? He's Conor McGregor. Why not put him in the championship fight? It's a uh, I feel like this is a number one contender's fight. And honestly, if you look down the line, not only is it good for the right now, it's good for the future because I truly believe, and I'm telling you, man, I believe this with every part of me. I believe that Islam is just, it's, it's, it's his destiny to be in the championship picture. And I think it's an eventuality. And could you imagine if Connor can find a way to get to the belt and Islam is making his way to a championship belt with all the history and everything, it'll be fantastic. I just think that every fight is going to be good in the lightweight division, but I just think the
0: storylines,
1: the things that we all live for, are starting to play themselves in a way that they're going to be real fun.
0: Well, we'll talk about Islam because he got his next – assignment last week and it's a bit of a peculiar one so we'll talk about him in a moment but you know even if the timing doesn't work out for Gaethje and Chandler because Gaethje hasn't fought in quite some time and Chandler just fought you know a Gaethje RDA. RDA has been somewhat forgotten in this uh, in this weight class and I don't think off the top of my head that he has his next booking so that would be a fun one. I would like to see Gaethje get in there you know sooner rather than later but to your earlier point I don't think Gaethje is fighting Olivera next. It would be a great fight and I wouldn't hate it But we need to find out what happens with Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. If Dustin Poirier wins that fight and isn't fighting for the belt after that, I mean, that would be a travesty. He has to fight for the belt after that fight.
1: He does. And he will, right? Dustin Poirier wins this fight again against Conor McGregor. He's fighting for the belt. Because, I mean, you remember, we said just put the belt on him after Habib retired when he had beaten Conor. So, um, yeah, I do believe DP is going to fight for the belt if he gets past McGregor, which is going to be a tough
0: fight want to bring up another thing that happened on Saturday. A bit of a scary turn of events. Crazy fight. You know, I talked to Paul Felder before 262 on my radio show, Hawaii show, ESPN Radio. Shout out to <sighs> ESPN Radio. Um, and uh, Paul Felder said, if you aren't excited for Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos, if you aren't going out of your way to watch that fight, and you consider, your fu- your, 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 you consider yourself a mixed martial arts fan, you better turn in... Your MMA card, your MMA fan card, if you will, because that fight is going to be the fight of the 90 he ended up being 100% right. And that's not a stretch because everyone thought that fight was going to be great. But holy smokes, what a fight. Edson Barbosa, I want to say this right here and now. I didn't think the move to 145 would be good for him. He should be 3 and O's at on 145, where I thought he beat Dan Ige, then he beat Maquan, and now, of course, he beat Shane Burgos. He hasn't lost much going down to 145, and that delayed knockout, DC. I've been watching this sport a long time, and you see it with the body shot. You don't necessarily see it after a shot to the head. That was scary stuff, but holy smokes, Edson Barbosa has found new life at 145. Who would have thought?
1: He absolutely has, and honestly, man, when I saw it happen to Shane Burgos, immediately it was concerned because it looked like everything just shut down. You could see it, You could see the, the his face. His face showed like, whoa, what is happening right now? But as I've said before, if you are forced to stand with Edson Barbosa, it's a real problem. If you don't have the ability to take him down or at least threaten takedowns, he looked fantastic. And Burgos looked fantastic. I believe that's twice now we've seen two guys that are on the wrong end of fights. Burgos and Calvin Cater back on uh, in Abu Dhabi, where they've been beaten up and their stock has still risen. But Edson Barbosa, man, did some nice things in there. And that right hand that he landed to finish the fight, he landed a number of them before. He kept just landing the right over the top of uh over the top of his his jab. When Burgos would throw the jab, Barbosa would just counter with the right hand. And then when he hit him with that last one, it was right on the tip of the chin. Burgos gave him a smirk, aerial because that's what fighters do. Oh, you didn't hurt me. And then you saw him start to realize, like, wait, something isn't right. His eyes open. You can see him kind of glaze over. And it went from, like, his legs going to his body just going. And then once he hit the ground, he was out. It was like, how in the world can it take that long for a guy to get knocked out? Generally, it happens right away. But his legs went first. Right. And then when he went to the ground, he wasn't even there anymore. So then Edson jumps on him. They hit the, the landing shots to finish. But, boy, what a performance. But what a scary moment. I immediately said, this dude needs to go to the doctor to make sure that he's okay. Because you need to do, like, a, a brain scan after seeing something like yeah. that. And thank goodness he seems to be Okay.
0: The the, the way in which Edson Barbosa was rifling off those leg kicks, it reminded me of his debut against Mike Lulo many, many moons ago, UFC 123, Auburn Hills, Michigan, like the the speed in which he rifles those off with the precision and the power. And the fact that he's doing this now, you know, usually at at this juncture in one's career, they move down to a, a, you know, a, a lighter weight class. It's kind of like a desperate move. It's a move to try to put a fresh coat of paint in your career. But, you know, in reality, it's probably not the smartest move because typically you want to go up as your career is going. And this guy has been able to, I mean, get new life some way, somehow at 145. And, you know, I don't know how far he can go at 145. It's a great weight class with a lot of, Incredible fighters at the very top, but man, I was wrong about Edson Barbosa at 145, so I'll put my hand up and say, good on you, Edson Barbosa. That was an incredible fight. <laughs> I do want to mention Jacare, DC. Jacare, man, to, to see, again, another legend. It's like every week we see these legends lose like this. And, and for Jacare, like, I don't know if people can truly understand, first off, how good Jacare was early in his career, and, you know, strike force, middleweight champ, all that stuff. But also, to submit Jacare Souza like the black belt of all black belts. And to do it like that with the arm breaking like that, he's having surgery today. So we want to send him our best Andre Mooney's shout out to you. And, and it's tough to see the younger guys, you know, dust off the older guys like that, but man, that kind of bummed me out. It like, it's what, what's going on. Why, why did the old guys have to lose like this? Why can't they, why can't they go quietly into the night? Why does it have to be so heartbreaking?
1: Like you said, man, time is undefeated, right? Because you call back to all those great memories from those legends. And Joe Rogan and I said on the show, there's no way you submit Jacare because Muniz said he was going to do it. Then he goes out and does it. You submit this version of Jacare. You don't submit the alligator from Strike Force, the guy that spent the whole the whole first part of his career in the UFC in the top five. But now you're looking at a Jacare that's two and six in his last eight fights. Um, And the losses have just gotten worse from the Kevin Holland loss to this. It's time for Jacare at 41 years old to really reconsider uh, what he's gonna do for a career? Um, it's sad, man. And as we said with Tony, this is not a fun game to go out on. Um, it usually ends with your legends in the hospital, beat up, knocked out. It's just a, it's just a bad ending most times in these situations in this sport. Yeah,
0: I don't. Yeah, I feel guilty sometimes when I watch this because like, you know, here they are. I'm starting to reach the point where I'm around the same age as the guys who are, you know, quote unquote done. And uh, now we're talking about them having to find a new career when it's not natural to find a new career at 38, 39, 40. And very few guys get to go out like you at the top fighting for a belt. It's it's a very special thing that you were able to do. And, and so my heart goes out to these legends. Uh, shout out to uh, Jordan Wright, Andrea Lee, Lando Venato with a great win as well. Priscilla (laughs) Cachoeira had a great win. Uh, Chris chose Jagos. Why is that so funny? Why are you laughing about that?
1: I mean, I just, Jordan Wright's girlfriend's name was the oldest name I've ever heard. But like, you know what? I apologize to all the Matildas in the world. There are a lot of beautiful Matildas in this world. That is a name, it just caught me by surprise. Jordan Wright's a young man. I did not think that we were still naming our children Matilda uh, in 2000s. But, yeah, I guess there are Matilda still out there. Michael Bisping, I'm sorry. Rebecca. Rebecca Bisping, I am sorry. I did not know and I did not mean to insult you. I apologize. Sometimes maybe I should watch my mouth on national television. I just say what I feel, and I guess in that situation it cost me. You know, we do remember the great Matilda that used to accompany the British Bulldogs to the ring. You know, you yes. know the great Matilda, that you know, that would accompany the British bulldog to the ring, but... I apologize to all the Matildas in the I world. That's I thought you were going to on the
0: broadcast.
1: No, but the reality is, his girlfriend's name isn't even Matilda; it's Griselda. So I'm just like, it's it's Griselda, which is just even a more different name.
0: <laughs> Boy, let, let's There's leave it God at that uh, by the way something. speaking of watch, watching your mouth on the broadcast uh, i do want to give a shout out to a friend of mine johnny who emails me quite often we've become friends pen pals if you will uh, he sent me a screen grab that he caught of you in the broadcast stuffing your face with chips what is the <laughs> on, dc Look at that. What's happening? In the middle of what the am fight, I so you got Rogan we... locked in. What are you eating? <laughs> What's going on, DC? What is that? <laughs> chips? Lays? Plain chips? <laughs> yes. yes. Explain yourself. Potato
1: chips. So listen, bro, listen. <laughs> We're out there for seven hours. Who doesn't eat anything for seven hours? We're out there for seven hours. So sometimes when we go to a break or if, uh, th- you know, guy walking through the corner, I'll hit the cough button, eat a couple potato chips. And I mean, it's actually grown, though, right? From potato chips to, to in protein bars. Now we're eating chicken tenders at times. There are French fries out there like you got to eat, man. Like you have to eat. So when you get a moment to get a little bit of food, you got to have it. You know, so, yeah, I try to uh, almost I think at that point I was stuffing Lay's or Cheetos. Because listen, the craft service table isn't the most healthy place in the world. You know that area. You've been on sets before. And uh, you got to just get what you can get. So yeah, I was eating potato chips. Yeah, it's like. But did you see me kind of off to the side? I'm like off to the side, like trying to see the fight through the cage, like while I'm stuffing the chips in my hand. But look, I've got my other finger on the cough button so that nobody can hear me chewing the potato chips. (laughs)
0: Well, shout I'm living out to Johnny my best life for picking it up and sending me the screen grab. <laughs> I mean, that Tell is Tell Johnny that he is officially blocked all right. on all social media. He's dead to me. <laughs> Johnny, you're
1: dead to me. <laughs> you can blame your snitch friend. Um, all right. You
0: can blame your snitch friend, Ariel. Also, breaking news. Important PSA brought to you by our good friends over at manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. The craftsmanship and detail on the 4.0 are next level. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for all of you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 20Ariel at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 220 a-R-I-E-L at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And please use the promo code 20ARIEL. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, DC. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Uh, A few bookings I want to mention. Darren Till against Derek Brunson. August 14th, and I reported last week that the UFC is looking at uh, going back to London, England in August. If you look at that August 14th card, certainly a lot of British fighters on that card. I'm just saying, not saying anything more, just saying. Also got Jared Cannonier versus Paulo Costa. Costa wanted Darren Till. For some reason, they went with Till Brunson. There's a bit of a backstory there. I'm surprised Till's coming back so soon. Broken collarbone in April, fighting in August. I mean, we're no doctors here, but that seems a little surprising, no?
1: No, because I remember I broke my collarbone when I was younger, and it healed fast. It didn't take as long as you would think, like maybe six weeks, six weeks to heal the collarbone. So, um, yeah, he'll have plenty of time, right? April, May, he'll be out. June, July training camp. He can start slow in June, pick it up really heavy in July, uh, partway through August, keep himself going, and then um, be ready for his fight. But this is great for Till, right? Till finds himself in a spot where he's fighting the number five guy. He's also fighting a guy that has a lot of momentum. And and Darren lost his last fight. So for him to have this type of opportunity, he wins his fight. He puts himself right back in position to challenge for a championship. But Derek Brunson is full of confidence right now. He moved over to Sanford MMA. He believes in his coaches, his training, his ability. And, look, for a long time we thought Derek Brunson would be this guy that we are seeing right now with his athleticism, his wrestling credentials, this is the guy we expected. We're finally seeing Derek Brunson compete at the level that was believed uh, he was capable of when he first started fighting in strike force and now the UFC.
0: Yeah, uh, a big fight at 185. The other one, Costa Cananier. Interesting fight as well, of course. The middleweight title's on the line. Next pay-per-view, 263 June 12th, Glendale. Izzy versus Vittori, too. And we can't forget about Whitaker. I mean, these fights are great now, but Whitaker should yeah, be. Boys. Next in line for the winner of the Izzy versus Vittori fight. But again, a little mini tournament. I, I like the bookings at 185. I am a little bit surprised, though, about this one, DC, as we take a look at the middleweight rankings here. I have to ask you about your boy. I mean, every ch- I saw you on the post-fight show. I saw you on SportsCenter. I mean, every chance you get to talk about MMA, every chance you get a microphone in front of you, you are going off about Islam Makhachev On and on you go. And his next fight is against <laughs> Tiago Moises I mean, what is this? This isn't the big fight that we were all thinking. We were talking about Tony Ferguson, big name, Tiago Marcus What's going on here? You know what's crazy?
1: Islam, me, and Habib are on a, a group message, and we're talking about that. Who's next? Who's next? Nobody will fight him, Ariel. He's getting off. He's, he's offering them, offering them, offering them offering them Nobody will fight. So then we're just like, then smash everybody. Just fight whoever they offer you. Beat them up. And then eventually you'll get a fight. Or if he wins enough, Ariel, he'll just have to get a title fight. So right now that's the approach. You offer me Moises, okay, I'll fight him. Islam's just going to smash them all. He'll beat them all because, dude, um, I know for a fact it was offered to, to Felder. It was offered to RDA. It was offered to a number of guys in that top 10, and these guys won't fight him. So I don't know what more he can do but just to compete, make money, and um, keep working his way towards the championship. It's very reminiscent of when Kamaru Usman was coming up the rankings. Nobody wants to really fight the guy because of the ability he has and the problems that he possesses. But I'm telling you, John annick said this on the show last Saturday. He goes, I'm not certain if Islam Makashev is matched up with everybody. I don't know what the odds look like. He may be favored to beat just about everybody in the top ten. Mm-hmm. So these guys aren't really willing or wanting to take that risk.
0: Yeah, it's a tough spot for him to be in. Eventually, he'll get his big fight. I have no doubt about that. RDA had groin surgery like, not why, that wait, long ago, but, but, so but, July but this would is the be question, too soon. Though, for like,
1: why? Why is it? Why is it? Why is it having to take so long? You know, what I'm saying like he fought Drew Dober, another top 15 guy, to put himself into the top 10. The natural progression is for somebody mm. above him to say, "Okay, now it's time to fight." But why are we? Why are we ignoring the way things are supposed to work now? And now he's fighting a, a dangerous Thiago Moises.
0: Well, if you look at the top, I mean Poirier's book, Gaethje, we just book, I mean, hey, Gaethje versus Islam, why don't they book those two guys? Oh, that's right. Same management yeah, team. For sure. They wouldn't do that. Charles Oliveira just no, fought. No, uh, Michael hey, listen, Chandler just they'll fought. They'll fight.
1: They'll fight. Those hey. guys will fight. Those guys will fight. Even now. Right, so. Even now Kamaru's saying, even now Kamaru's saying that if if uh Marvin Vittori wins the championship, maybe he considers going up to
0: 85. That's the same management team. All right. Okay. Uh, Well, I'm just saying there's not a ton of options there, maybe on the back end, but uh, I mean, he deserves a big fight. I'd love to see Islam versus Gregor Gillespie, um, who just looked good, but we'll see him July 17th, and then we'll see where he goes from there. Islam's a teammate of yours. I do have to give a shout out to the big man himself. Arjun Singh Buller, winning the one heavyweight yes. championship this past weekend, another teammate of yours, and then calling out the wrestlers. That's your guy right there. He's kind of <laughs> like a mini-DC, you know, similar frame, big win for him against Brad And I know you were very proud of him as well, so I wanted to give you a chance to talk about him.
1: Very proud of Arjun, man. You know, this is a young man that came into the Olympic Training Center as a very young kid uh, from in, from Canada— to try and learn and make an Olympic team, ultimately made the Olympic team, went to the Olympic Games, then came to AKA to learn from the better heavyweights, myself and Kane Velasquez, and now he becomes the first Indian uh, heavyweight champion in the world. A, one billion people are in India, one billion strong. And we made mention of the thing that Arjun carries, and this morning he sent me a text message. Um, it is called, Ariel, do you know what it's called? I do Do you have not. any idea? It is called a mace. Sound... It's a weapon of war okay. used by the god of wrestling in the Indian culture. So another just real shout out to his heritage, his culture. And um, this is massive for Arjun and massive for uh, India. And he truly believes that he's going to open the door for more of those high level wrestlers. Because India has great wrestlers coming into mixed martial arts.
0: Oh, there, there's a ton. I mean, that Ritu Fogad, who lost uh, that close fight. She's massively popular, um, in India. Saint Lion won on that card. It's very smart what one is doing. And I'll, I mean, I'll never forget in, uh, we were in Edmonton, Arjun's debut when they didn't let him wear the, uh, you know, the turban. I mean, to see him come out like that in the traditional garb with that weapon, I mean, that's what you got to do. That's how you get people invested in this sport from countries who aren't traditionally big, you know, MMA fan countries. That's, so this is a huge moment. And, and the response that I got, like when I tweeted about it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of people who follow me from India. I had no idea that they were yeah. so into it. So this is a really big deal. And congratulations to him on that. And he even called out some, uh, some wrestlers. He wants to go over to the wrestling world, D.C., he wants to have a big fight against Jinder Mahal, his buddy. Uh, his buddy. But a million, a billion people, Ariel, a billion
1: strong is one of the hashtags that Arjun uses when he speaks and when he tweets things about um, his culture and his heritage. And they support him so uh, so passionately. And for Arjun to become a world champion. I saw something once like, uh, I wish I could see this guy in the UFC. And somebody's like, well, he we already fought there and he failed. No, he didn't. He was three and one in the UFC, and went and pursued an avenue where he can make more money and where he can build his 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 base outside and around the world. And that's exactly what he's doing right now. All the right moves by Arjun Buller. and right now he's the world champion. We're so happy for him. Uh,
0: DC, another. Very busy weekend ahead of us. Uh, the, the rebranded Invicta FC is back. Bellator is back. Chris Cyborg defending her featherweight title. Fabian Edwards, the brother of Leon Edwards, going up against uh, Mr. Van Zant himself, Austin Vanderford. That's a really fun card. And then the Saturday night UFC card, the return of Cody Garbrandt against Rob Fawn. A number one contender fight, in my opinion, at 115, Yan Nan against Carlos Sparza. The Jack hermanson Edmund Shabazian fight that we were going to get this past weekend is happening this coming weekend. It's a great time to be an MMA fan. I want to let everyone know out there (laughs) that we do a brand new version of this show on television now. It used to be a highlight version of the show, Midnight's on either ESPN2 or ESPN News, but now we're taping a brand new show. So when you tune in, On the big tube on television Tuesday nights, it's a whole new show with different topics, everything different. So tune into that. I want to let everyone know. All right, DC, we're out of time. Yeah, make sure, make sure, guys, make sure you guys watch
1: us on television. We have a television show. Ariel and I have a TV show. Make sure you tune in nine o'clock in the Pacific time. So you just before you go to bed, you can watch the, the show.
0: Tune in. All right, congratulations to Charles. DuBronx Oliveira, the brand-new UFC lightweight champion, made history on several fronts uh, this past weekend. Congratulations to Benil Dariush. Congratulations to Edson Barbosa. All the big winners from this past weekend at UFC 262. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our production team. Thank you to DC. Back next week, same time and place. Until then, we say peace. We're out of here.